Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. This week we're going to be talking about some drama unfolding in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The MLB season may be coming back, maybe not. Also, should the players just be allowed to take steroids? This is Let the Meat Takes. Bonjour, and welcome to Let the Meat Takes, the sports podcast for the outrage era. I am Jonathan, and I'm joined by Justin and Scott. Once well, again, we are excited to talk about some of these takes. There have been some good ones that happened in the past seven to ten days since we last got together and chatted. And I can't wait to talk about some of these things. Oh, um, so I hope everyone's doing well. And without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Justin. He's going to get us started. All right, let's get these hasty takes rolling. And mm. I mean, hasty, hasty, hasty. All right, first off, we got Andy Staples. He had an interesting little piece of news from Atlanta. This is uh, Georgia Tech announced that Bobby Dodd Stadium would be switching to artificial turf in anticipation for a series of concerts they're going to be hosting by BTS, which I think is a K-pop sensation, and Guns N' Roses, which is a baby boomer sensation. Now, is that one concert, or is that two separate concerts? I think it's host concerts. He said host concerts, so Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's two separate events. I think that would be a really funny uh, intergenerational mashup, should it happen. Yeah, my headcanon says that's (laughs) definitely one event, because it's way more fun. Right. I mean, who knows? Maybe Axl Rose could do Welcome to the Jungle in Korean. In so I have, I have one question. One serious question and one not-so-serious question. Serious question. Were they already planning to switch from grass to artificial? No. <laughs> so here's what the deal is. They had these concerts lined up in the spring, but of course they couldn't do that because, you know, coronavirus came. And so they had to postpone these things to uh, May and August. So they had to switch to this artificial turf because the event was going to really damage the, uh, the actual grass. So they're doing this so they can have these concerts in the fall and also have their football season. Um, I guess what Andy Staples isn't saying is it probably reveals some, some of the uh, financial priorities of Georgia tech athletics right now. Because that's generally a bad idea for outdoor ven- outdoor stands, especially ones that deal with that hot, hot summer heat like Atlanta does in August and September. So, well, I mean, to be fair, I know that other large stadiums hold concerts and whatnot. So I'm not going to put that on them. However, I don't know why you would want to have a concert at Bobby Dodd Stadium. It is a large space, but there are a lot of large spaces. Uh Second question, are they going to go back to turf afterward? I don't know. Here's the funny thing that the funny thing that popped off in my head about this thing is if you've ever done a campus tour of Georgia Tech, all they're going to talk about is how much they love their history. And according to Georgia Tech, f- college football history kind of ends after 1990. Like they're so obsessed with John Heisman and, you know, Bobby Dodd and all the good old days, you know. So the fact that they would want to do something this radical 
you know. But who knows? They might have engineered a miracle turf that is, you know, has the durability of artificial turf, but resembles actual grass. So I don't know. Yeah, it's the recently patented nano turf, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> Going to a BTS concert would be dope. I would tell yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would I would go to it. Baba Dad's, I mean, it's an old little stadium, but it's not bad. You know, they had, they had soccer games there. People really liked it. Uh, also, I Googled nanoturf and nothing came up. So trademark patent pending, just in case anybody wanted to know. All right. Well, we're going to hang on to that. Uh, we should probably grab the domain name to sell that off to whatever genius wizard comes up with that in the future. All right. So moving on to another hasty takes. Let's see here. Do you guys like tennis? No. Not really. No. But continue. Are you open to the idea of liking tennis? Uh, right now I am. All right. Well, good news for you. So do you, do you know who uh, Patrick Moratoglu... Oh, gosh, I can't say his name. Patrick Moratoglu, he's French. I don't know why I'm asking you if you know who this guy is. If you guys already answered the question, you don't like tennis. Yeah, like if we're talking men's tennis, if it's not Federer or Nadal or something about Djokovic, like throwing his own matches for money, I'm not familiar with it. That's a deep cut. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I like okay. I'll put it this way: I liked tennis when Andy Roddick was really good and constantly getting beat by Federer and others. Um, and then he retired, and so did I. Well, I got good news for you guys. So uh, Patrick, we'll say Patrick M. Frenchman. He was the coach of Serena Williams. He is the uh, he's create put, putting on a show called the Ultimate Tennis Shut Showdown where he's getting professional tennis players to play in a new format that has four 10-minute quarters. Uh, it's really just geared towards faster-paced game and trying to get younger fans. And as he acknowledged in his interview of Sports Illustrated, younger fans aren't really that interested in tennis. The fan base is just getting older and older. Kind of saying what Colin Cowherd said about golf on our show a few weeks. Well, he didn't say it on our show, but we talked about it on our show a few weeks back. No, we had Colin Cowherd on a couple weeks ago. Go back and check it. He didn't let us talk the entire time. Can you believe it? Yes, I can believe it. (laughs) We're never having him on again. (laughs) You hear that, Colin? You're not welcome back. (laughs) Suck it. Yeah, I, uh, I think... Yeah, I think it's a good move. I don't know if the actual tennis tournaments are going to take this format seriously i feel like uh you know the french open the uh some of these other some of the other places what's the one in britain the wimbledon (laughs) okay so i have i don't i probably shouldn't even have authority to talk about this because i clearly don't know anything about tennis but i will just say we should skip this tennis one okay let's so anyway tennis not fun but outside chance tennis becomes fun Hasty take. So I think we have uh, something else from uh, internet personality Sam Dawkins. Did you want to take that one, Justin? Oh, yeah. This one comes from an actual friend of the pod. This is Sam Dawkins. And uh, this is a, I think it's a pretty good illustration for what's been going on in the MLB. Who knows what's going on with that? We'll probably talk about that later. But uh, he's. We should going probably to... talk about it now because when you give me his take, I'm going to scratch my head. Okay. So because we, I've been trying to follow it and they've gone back and forth so many times that I don't even know what people want anymore. Sounds like people all just want their money and to just sit there and not do anything. Right. I had no idea 
to be honest, I've had a hard time figuring out what's going on in the MLB because it sounded like the players had some very legitimate requests that just weren't being meted. Like, let's have our weren't being met. Like, we just give us a prorated salaries. We'll, you know, do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the owner's like, but we have debt we need to pay for. We paid for a microbrewery in our ballpark and a movie theater and all these other things that ballparks don't need because apparently people don't like watching baseball. All right. That's... <laughs> so, yeah, that's a thing. That's my uh... old man take. <laughs> <laughs> so we, this was just a few minutes before we uh we start recording so this is hot fresh and ready it's like a little caesar's pizza this came from john Heyman. he's a an mlb insider he tweeted breaking mlb and players union are closing in on an agreement to play the 2020 season via the players deal expected to be for prorated pay and include expanded playoffs. That's a very different tune. What we got the earlier in the week when there was talk about the season getting outright canceled. So, yeah, I don't want to short Sam over here, um, but his take uh, was uh, sort of a, a biblical call out, if you will. It says, you know, it's Solomon speaking. I know what I'll do. I'll cut the baby in half and give you each one. Major League Baseball owners, sounds good. MLB <laughs> players, go for it. So that was just a fun little deep dive for uh, anybody that has some Old Testament knowledge and also wants to make fun of the current state of baseball. There you go. Man, so, I don't know if that's true, so but it just that feels take, right. It's, mo- it's more funny than completely accurate. But. Okay, I was about to say, like, are we – are they cutting something in half that shouldn't be cut in half? Man, the way – who's the MLB commissioner? Are they cutting Rob Benford in half? Uh, Hold on now. Only. <laughs> That's a proposal that both sides might go for. I'll, I'll, you mean I'll, I'll have to correct. deal with half of Rob Manfred? I'm going to DM Trevor gonna... Bauer right now because he really hates that man. He's also real active on Twitter. He might get back to us. He might. I mean, the super hasty breakdown of MLB, right, was everything went nuts in the entire world, and the owners and the players agreed that – when they figured everything out, it was going to be prorated salaries. So if a player had a $10 million deal, they weren't going to get paid $10 million, but they were just going to get that same amount they would have gotten per game based on how many games you played, right? Right. This was the post-COVID-19 deal that the owners and players agreed to. It's a pretty reasonable deal, right? And then after a little while, the owners came back and said, sorry, no thanks. We don't want to honor this deal. Let's renegotiate again. And so the players have, in all of their negotiations, basically said negotiations start with paying us the same amount of money per game. And then the owners just keep sending out a bunch of different proposals that don't come anywhere close to that. And then shocked face when the players say no. Oh, stunned. See a friend, a friend who follows baseball closer, more closely than I do, told me it was that some of the argument had was suspected to do with who gets to decide how many games are played in the season, the owners or the players. I don't know. I did get this other this other tweet kind of went out um, a few minutes after John Heyman made this what was a you know a pretty big breaking story. This comes from Evan Drellick, who covers baseball for The Athletic. 
He says, source says no deals close yet between MLB and MLBPA because the proposal was sent by just sent by the MLB. No agreement even in principle at this point. So I guess the breakdown is what does close actually mean? Heyman says they're closing in. Evan Drellick says they're not close yet. Like, are we moving closer? Like, are we closing? I don't know. It's some like Bill Clinton impeachment level define this word kind of talk going on here. <laughs> what is is? Well, is is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I got a I got a few hasty takes. If you yeah. uh, need a break here, uh, I, I can't keep baking them. This He's is so got much a few work. hasty takes. If you need a breaky break, oh, <laughs> it's starting to. Uh, uh, that one's not gonna land, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, hey, so my first like, one, you, you gotta edit. You gotta edit that whole MOB section. <laughs> it's all <laughs> kinds of backwards. So, my first hasty take was almost a a take that unites us all, almost. But it was from Jeff Schwartz, who is a, a former NFL player, and he is a big time San Francisco Giants fan, and so as the looks like Major League Baseball might not happen right after the commissioner came out and said, hey, it ain't happening, y'all. Uh, his take was, there's always a light in the darkness. And if there's no baseball this season, that means the Dodgers haven't won the World Series in 32 <laughs> years. Hate to see it. So uh, I just got to say, this really hit me in the feels, right? It's one of the best part about sports, which is being able to just – completely rip on opposing teams and fan bases for things that really aren't that fault, but you just want to stick it to them because it's the other team, not your team and they suck and they deserve it. Right. Absolutely. There's like something persisting in our lizard brain, in our lizard brains that demands like, you know, tribalistic, you know, combat and, you know, violence and sports kind of tickles that itch in a way that's like not destructive to society. Cause I get to be mean and petty to like fans of opposing teams as much as I want. But then we just go to work the next day and start, you know, like I'm not, it's not like I'm actually beating someone's brain in with a rock. Right. But also the Phillies suck. So just throwing that out there. Phillies suck. Phillies suck. Hate them. Mm. Uh, Next hasty take comes from a new staple of the show. Dan, it's our boy Dan here who said that if the virus is no big deal and just the flu, they'll get over it because they're young and healthy and they're more likely to die of getting hit by lightning. Why are we now seeing schools make athletes sign waivers? Right. So So for those of you, yeah, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, we are of course talking about Dan Wolken, college football writer for USA Today and Twitter something or other. We're trying to, he's something. Yeah, he's he's something, but what? there there is some truth to this part of the saying right here is that a lot of the people, organizations that are saying coronavirus isn't that big of a deal, it's just the flu, that kind of stuff, and they're saying, hey, it's safe to go back and play sports. Also, here's sign this waiver saying that if you die from COVID-19, it's not our fault for making you play the sport. Yeah, uh, it's a very fair point. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's made some sensationalist claims along the way about coronavirus. Like he, you know, looked at the average weight of a starting offensive lineman in uh, college football said, well, they're technically obese, which is an at-risk category group, according to the CDC, 
which did get what spawned a, a great uh, Twitter fight between him and Barrett Salee, who's, you know, very kind of a different flavor of Dan Wolken. Yeah, he's just I a little a, bit more conservative version right. of the, the same shtick, right? They, they both wear their politics on their sleeves. And, and honestly, looking at weights of athletes and pretending like they're normal people doesn't work, right? <laughs> right. You have like the general BMI, body mass index, you know, that they use height and weight to kind of talk about trends for health of people. It's not great, but there's good general trends. Well, according to BMI, I think almost all of the NBA is like overweight or obese. Oh yeah. And all they do is like run all freaking day. Like they are not obese, right? They don't count just because they have, you know, like they're really muscular. They lift a lot of weights compared to the average. Right. The, the BMI chart is kind of bogus. You kind of have to be as lean as a professional cyclist to be considered like, you know, nowhere near the category of overweight. Like, which is it? Well, this is America. This is America. Well, I think, I don't know. I think this is <laughs> red, white, and beef. I think, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. First of all, I do think Dan Wilkins being kind of a, y'all know what the word prig means? P R I G? No, I don't. He's Enlighten us. Jonathan, language. <laughs> I didn't call him the other thing. He's just being fussy at this point because his take was always, oh, coronavirus. And then Barrett was like giving him, giving him heck about it. But like, like, Athletic departments have tons of money. You have to get them to sign waivers for stuff that may not happen all the time because on the off chance that something does happen, they're going to sue the crap out of the athletic department. And so the waiver thing is totally normal. It's like when you sign something to, like, go bungee jumping. Like, like no one's saying that the bungee jump is going to kill you. But just because it does, maybe don't sue us. Right. Well, Yeah, uh, all this stuff is big business, right? They're going to sign waivers, et cetera. It's totally expected. Um, yeah. it's, he's definitely he's a habitual pot stirrer, habitual line stepper, if you will. Yeah, he loves dunking on coaches. That seems to be like the thing that gets him out of bed in the morning. It's like, ooh, what college football coach am I just going to roast on Twitter today? Of course, I don't know why he just doesn't always go towards Mike Gundy, but we'll get on we'll get on that later. I uh, I did see Ohio State kind of had an interesting response to their waiver because that was the first one that made the news. And they were saying, oh, we're not. Look, it's not like we're going to revoke their scholarship if they violate these things. We're just trying to get a written, you know, written set of rules just so people are in the right mindset to be safe. You got a thought on that? Yeah. So there are some schools that actually had something more like that. What Ohio State is claiming to have sort of like personal agreements, like the same kind of contracts people sign that are meaningless when you join a team they're like i agree that i'm going to give 100 percent to the team and i agree i'm going to work hard and be a good teammate and that kind of stuff which now includes like i'm going to lift weights and wear a mask and i'm not going to touch my girlfriend and stuff like that um the thing with ohio state is if it's just a hey everybody be on the same page piece of paper then why did you send it to the parents of all the incoming freshmen mm. who aren't legally old enough to sign it yet? Mm. Mm. As soon as you do that, it's a legally binding document. It's That's not like one of them true. Li- it's not like one of them true loves weight pledge cards. Exactly right. <laughs> there's there's got to be a really good true love weights joke in there. I just can't find it. I'll hit you up on the back end. I have no uh, idea. Well, fix it in post. <laughs> I've always no wanted idea. to say that. Yeah. Oh, man, that made me... So, uh, sticking on a little bit of college football, we have a just a real dumb 
take where like the first half of it doesn't make sense with the second half. I, oh, I it's those. only like two sentences, so it's hard to go that far off that quickly. But here we are. Uh, Brandon Marcello, who writes for 247, and they just sort of came out with some – a lot of college football predictions by conference, et cetera. And he just did one, and he was covering the SEC, and he has Florida winning the SEC East, which right now this is a pretty – Pretty common, pretty popular in Vogue pick. And there's some reasons you can get there. Um, but his take was if Georgia fans could compete for a championship, they'd win the SEC East going away this season. Uh, and he says, like, oh, they're letting me have it over this projected order of finish, right? And uh, look, man, if you want to pick the team that's not as good to win the division because you're bored of picking the better team, then, like, yeah, people are going to complain about it. Yeah, like, you know, for sure. It, it is what it is. So it's so crazy how many of these pundits are going with Florida to, you know, win the SEC East, if not even the whole conference. Like, is is that even considered like a fringe minority dark horse opinion at this point with how many people are putting their chips in that basket? No, I mean, at, at this point, if you're going by just like Internet sites and writers and whatnot, uh, if it's not a even split, you know, it's close. You pr- might even have a, a majority of people picking Florida. So, and there's reasons to do it. The biggest reason is the SEC West schedule. They're very different. Right. Right. The, the difference being at Ole Miss versus at Alabama. One of those is a much harder game than the other, right? So if that comes down to the tiebreaker, there you go. But so I clicked on his article. His main reason for picking Florida over Georgia is that Florida's better at one key position, and that being quarterback. That's very debatable. Yeah, right. I feel like Felipe Franks had a decent year, especially since he came off the bench. But he- like. You mean Trask? Felipe Franks, I thought, came off the bench. No, you th- got it the other way around. Trask yeah, Franks got, got hurt. Yeah. Uh, but so they have um, – they're returning their quarterback. Oh, I see. I see. That's right. Yeah. They're returning their quarterback. They're returning their coordinators. They don't have any coaching turnover, instability. That kind of stuff could play really big this year, right? Um. So that combined with having an easier schedule, it definitely could happen. The issue is these two teams still play head-to-head, and probably how that game goes determines who wins the East. And on paper and by every metric that tries to look forward and figure out who's going to be better, uh, Georgia's still the favorite for that game. So, Yeah, as you said, I think it was episode one or two, you talked about the importance of recruiting. In the sport, you know, it was Bud Elliott came out with his new his blue chip ratios for each of the teams, and Georgia was very much ahead of Florida. You know, this I know we're starting to approach that homeristic, you know, dog nation territory. I, I vowed we wouldn't approach, but you know, here we are. Yeah, it's I, I understand why they do it. I just you know, as a as a trying the person who is. I can't tell if it's the objective me or the the bulldog fan me just doesn't agree with it and just kind of laughs. Well, I mean, ob- objectively, by anything that's a metric or a number and doesn't care who you're a fan of, 
Georgia comes out as the better team than Florida for this year. But sure. it's not so close that, like, you know, either team couldn't win when they play each other. Right. But it's one of those things where if you're playing the odds, the better team, probably more likely. And right now the the, uh, the percentages of how people are picking it to finish might be a little bit flipped. But who knows? It, it's just – People get tired of voting for the same person or team to win everything. I mean, Alabama should have been picked to win the SEC every year for the last decade at least, right? Right. But they're not always picked because people get tired and they're like, well, they can't win it every year. Oh, boy, they got close to it. They, I mean. It's true. It's true. So Feel free to, feel free to cut out me confusing Florida's quarterbacks. Where are it's they all good. They're not that great, so you don't really have to remember who's who. Yeah. Um, the reason got one more is because they're forgettable. It's true. Uh, one more quick college football-related take, and this was Bruce Feldman uh, writing for The Athletic, and he started uh, – had a whole section in his article about what teams are one tweak away and what contenders can make an LSU-type leap on offense – and this is just a I'm already exhausted with this take and it's barely even started <laughs> take. So everybody get ready for the next decade of off season articles about which team is gonna take the LSU type leap this season and it's gonna be complete with a list of a bunch of teams that don't actually fit the criteria. So enjoy. Yeah, what is up? It's, there's always like these little placeholders in sports. Like there always has to be this kind of team every year. Like, no, you weren't expecting an LSU, you know, two years ago. So why are you expecting one now? I guess because you've seen it happen. And now it's the new expectation for there to be this team. Well, yeah, the, the particularly dumb part about it, though, is they're like, everybody has to come up with a list of five or ten teams that could do that. And it's like, hey – look at the criteria that had to happen for LSU to do it. And this team is already missing half of those criteria <laughs> before we even get into the unknowns. So like, just get them off the list. Right. Right. But, no Joe Brady, no Joe Burrow. Yeah. Then doesn't seem plausible. Well, and, and even then, right. A lot of times you get a, a, a big bump in year two with offensive coordinators. That was their second year under offensive coordinator Insminger. Brady was not the offensive coordinator. Right. You also usually get a big bump on the second year a quarterback is on campus and in the system. That was the second year with Joe Burrow, right? You always, almost always get a huge bump when you bring back all of your receivers. They brought back all of their receivers. Right. So you add in all of those things at the same time, and you brought in, you know, the outside guy and Brady, who's the one that somehow got all the credit. Weird how that worked out. So I wasn't sure. We should be really good next year when we bring back Jake Fromm, right? Uh, <laughs> sure. All right. You want to take us to uh, back to some more baseball, John? Yes. Are we done with hasty takes? Yeah. I mean, it's been like thirty minutes. All yeah. right. We're still trying to get the haste. You got it great. Honestly, it's because I put the time things next to it. Yeah. Oh well. Let's move. We, we can. We are about that. Move along. Move along. Move along. All right. I found, I read a really good take. One of my favorite um, people to follow on Twitter is Trevor Bauer because he's never shy about how he feels about things. I especially like him when he posts video rants of himself. 
but he he was in the mood the other night, and he tweeted about steroid users in the Hall of Fame. And I'm just going to read through what he said, his little thread. It's not very long. But he said, quote, The Hall of Fame is a shrine to the history of the game. Regardless of your feelings on this, steroids are part of the game's history. It would be very hard to convince me that no players in the Hall of Fame currently use performance-enhancing drugs. And even if they didn't use what would consider what we would consider steroids, substances that are illegal today were illegal back then. Greenies, amphetamines, etc. used to be handed out like candy. Players were forced to take them because it was seen as not doing everything you could do to help the team if you didn't. Those same substances, substances are illegal today, so by that logic, should every player that took them be disallowed from the Hall of Fame? It would be a Hall of Empty if that were the case. At some point, the best players of their era have to be enshrined period. It's part of our game's history. The only caveat to that is if you broke a rule that was on the books at the time and specifically states the penalty is being banned from baseball. And he gives an example, the Black Sox scandal. Yeah, I'll take it. Follow up. This take. I was like, all right, Trevor. Uh, Follow up related uh, take from Spencer Hall at EDSBS, formerly of Shutdown Fullcast. uh, Rest in peace. Save baseball with powerful anabolic steroids for all. <laughs> Important. It's a little bit more succinct. Not as many uh, examples and nuance there, but the spirit is the same. I mean, if these big hulking man things just go up to the plate and start knocking out, you know, 90 homers a year, I bet more people would watch. And I bet that money would go up. And as we've seen the past couple of weeks, money is a big issue. Big thing for the MLB. They love it. They isn't, fight over it. Isn't Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame for letting everybody do steroids and hit a lot of home runs, but they won't <laughs> let anybody in the Hall of Fame because they did steroids and hit a lot is of home runs? Is that true? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Um, His claims to fame are canceling the All-Star game mid-inning and letting everybody do steroids that hit a lot of home runs. I think, I think, I think, I think. Obviously, the example that comes to mind when this stuff gets talked about is obviously Barry Bonds. I don't. The reason I don't think elbow pads, elbow pads, bionic elbow, or Barry Bonds. I think if he wasn't such an asshole, <laughs> he'd probably be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Honestly, yeah, probably. He hated the media, rightly so, probably, because they just dogged him for years. Um, he hated the media and he just was rude to him. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, uh, I think he, he claims he's, he admitted, albeit a little bit implicitly, that he didn't start doing steroids till like 98 or 99. If you look up the, le- the years leading up to that, it was insane. His OPS was consistently over a thousand. And he was, I don't know, he wasn't cranking out like 70 home runs a year, but he was getting like 30s, 40s. I mean, he had the career of a of a Hall of Fame baseball player, but even before he started taking the roids. Yeah, so, if you just magically ended his career before he started taking steroids, he would have a Hall of Fame resume already. And then if you tried to come up with what numbers he would have put up without steroids, if you pretend he fell off and got old and whatever, you know, look at what his projected numbers would be. He would be a first ballot guy easily, right? Um you know, it's one of those things where, like, go Ninja Turtles, right? 
Shredder was kicking some serious tail before he became Super Shredder, right? That's what Barry Bonds is. He went from being Shredder to Super Shredder. He's a villain. He's very good at what he does. God, that was amazing. And then he turned into Kevin Nash, maybe, and got real big. <laughs> then he had a then he had an ESPN docu series that uh, made him seem more of a tool than Michael Jordan's did. Yeah, I, that I, is to believe. I, I firmly believe if he was just like a nice guy like Ken Griffey Jr. or something, you know, all smiles and just like, you know, whatever. And he would probably be in the Hall of Fame already despite the, the steroid use. Yeah. And also, it's I believe true. a lot of this is going to course correct naturally as some of these old fogies just pass away and don't get to vote anymore. And then you get some new blood in there who think a little bit more progressively when it comes to steroids. So I do believe one day he will be in. Now, I can't say the same for somebody like Pete Rose. <laughs> So uh, it's crazy though. He got over like four thousand hits. Is that like, a lot of hits, Justin? I mean, here's what was funny about the whole Mister Three Thousand movie with Bernie Mac. I was waiting. Whatever. I was like, someone's gonna bring up Mister Three Thousand. <laughs> like they made, they put that number out there. Like, oh my gosh, this is the holy grail of like, uh, you know, of getting career hits. Why couldn't they make it Mister Five Thousand just so they could get over Pete Rose? Somebody like, does have. There's been, there's been several. Cobb? Is there really five? No. I think Ty Cobb got close. I'll have to look. Oh. Ty Cobb also would slide into base with his uh, cleats facing up so he could maul the person who was, play, who was playing uh, first base. I thought that was pretty. No, I was wrong. Ball. Ty Cobb did hit 4,000, though. <sighs> okay, so why does. I don't understand why that was the number. I guess. Oh, why 3,000 has made the arbitrary Hall of Fame number? Yeah. I think in our brains it is, but I think there are plenty of Hall of Famers who have like 2,700. But, but like Bernie Mac's character, he made that like his whole claim to fame. Like, dude, you're like, like I know that's, that's really, really good, but you're not exactly like, you can't be the only person who has that title. Justin, you know that his character wasn't real, right? I get that, but I'm just like, even in a fictional baseball movie, they it couldn't like. It was a biopic. I'm like, I don't know. <sighs> What was the guy who played for the Padres that had all those hits? Tony Gwynn? It wasn't like I thought, a, it was, I thought it was about Tony Gwynn's real life. No, it is not about Tony Gwynn's real life. It happens in Milwaukee. Tony Gwynn played for the Padres. That sounds like fake news. Yeah, not fake news. It's real. It's copyright. They couldn't do it in San Diego because it would have infringed on copyright. But it's his. It's his story. It's based on Tony Gwynn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'll. I'll just go ahead and say I don't think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame as good as a baseball player. He is you don't you don't bet on games that you're you know coaching in you know there it, it seems to be he was uh, making bets on games that he was managing made, made perhaps made bets against the Reds I don't know y'all could disagree that seems different as long as he's betting on himself and betting on his team I don't actually have a problem with it as far as uh how it impacts his Hall of Fame standing. I don't know enough about his whole specific situation. Yeah. But I can promise you, I don't care that much whether he's in or not. Whether he yeah. did a really bad thing or just a somewhat bad thing or a distasteful thing, I don't know. I'll put him in the Hall of Empty. I'm never <laughs> – like Trevor Bauer. I'll yeah. never – I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of person that thinks – you need to be this huge role model to be really good at your sport, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, oh, we know you don't have to be a good person to be good at sports. Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't assume that everyone in the Hall of Fame was just a really altruistic, 
benevolent person. Yeah, I just assume they're all terrible people until proven otherwise. <laughs> I do too. I assume they're all terrible people until proven otherwise. Most people should go through their lives thinking this. You'd be less disappointed. It's true. Write that down. Yeah. There's our uh, hot take. People suck. That's my personal hot take. There was that book. I think it was called The Psychopath Next Door. And the person who uh, wrote it was uh, some sort of a psychologist. And I think their claim was that companies look for people who have these sociopathic tendencies deliberately to put them into upper management roles because they think those are the, the kinds of people who succeed in high pressure situations. So I think that would translate to sports if that's true. So you might be right. Wow. I too killed an employee to cut costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, I, uh, I, I know I've got before. I don't know where I heard this. It, it was probably on a radio show. <laughs> years and years ago back when Tebow played in the NFL, but they talked about how, I guess it was the first time they had Tebow on and did like an interview or something on this particular radio show. And the, and the person, his point was that most, most athletes are pretty self-centered and kind of rude, especially the really famous ones. But he would talk about what a breath of fresh air Tebow was and how most people just aren't like that. Like most professional athletes, famous athletes are not like Tim Tebow. And so I think somebody who's probably interviewed and met a ton of athletes. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it checks out. I mean, a lot of these professional athletes, they got noticed really early in their life and they were just kind of held on a pedestal. I mean, imagine if people were just – imagine you being surrounded by Cinco fans from the age of 12 and now you're an adult and you're worth – you know, millions and millions of dollars. You don't really stress about money and people just, just love you for your balling skills. Gosh, I sound like someone who doesn't watch sports. Like Justin. <laughs> ah, yes. You're good at shooting. <laughs> How many scores happened in the football game today? How many goals? Uh, they did a birdie in the third quarter and they grant, uh, yeah, I don't have. Okay, before we switch to Mike Gundy, we have to talk about Mike Gundy. Before we switch to Mike Gundy, I'm a man. I'm forty. I have a final trivia question. <laughs> Come after me. I'm a man. I believe in conspiracy theories. <laughs> the editor who put it out is garbage. I love it. Here's your final. Here's your final trivia question before you move to Mike Gundy. I need. And I want. I want to see if y'all know this. How many MVPs did Pete Rose win? Uh, four. Zero. No, he won. He won one MVP. Oh, I thought I it was, it was zero I or figured, one. I would have think. I would have figured he'd won more than one. He only won one. One one. He mm. was a he was a bit of a longevity guy. Was part yeah. of how he got to a gazillion hits. Not that he like wasn't good, right? But he wasn't like, you know, Mike Trout, clearly the best player in the league every year for like ten years. Good. Yeah. Right. Just looking at his numbers, it doesn't appear he ever got hurt or seldom got hurt, and holy mother, I had to look at some current player stats because he was making over 700 plate appearances per season. Holy mother, that's a ton of plate appearances. Anyway, all right, so let's try. Yeah, let's try he, had the, he had the over on hits, so got to get them ABs, baby. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's transition now to what everyone's been waiting to talk about. Uh, Mike Gundy almost getting canceled, fired? Twitter roasted? He was Twitter roasted. Did he survive? Did someone pull him off the, the pylon fire or whatever? 
Dan Wilkins said, he is all is forgiven. Let us let us move on to the next burnt offering. Cardinal Wilkin has spoken. <laughs> oh, you have been The orange smoke has risen from Stillwater, and Gundy is saved. You are now pronounced forgiven. He is washed in the oil of T Boone Pickens. <laughs> yes, he is. Ain't nothing crude about that crude. <laughs> I can't even watch them. Oh I say God. drill, drill, drill. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Mike Gundy, in case you didn't notice on Twitter, got into some hot water. At first with his running back. Was his running back the first one to point it out? Or did somebody yeah. else pointed out to his running back? Yeah. His running back. It was Chubbard. Uh, it, the Chubbard, running Chubbard. back, y'all. Um, old Chubbard, he noticed a photo that someone posted, or did he post it? I think it was he, Gundy, but I don't know. Gundy it, it was a photo whatever. of him and some yeah, I think fishing. it was Gundy's Facebook page. It was okay. him and his sons fishing, I think, on Memorial Day, something like that. Oh, it, it wasn't on TikTok. No, it wasn't TikTok. <laughs> Thank God he's not on TikTok. Looking at you, Dan Mullen. Speak for yourself. Speak to TikTok, yourself. y'all. Follow Mike Gundy on TikTok. Click clack. I would follow TikTok. Gundy on TikTok. He he was he was uh, in a photo with his son and a bunch of fish they just caught, obviously fishing. And he was wearing an OAN shirt, which is the shirt. Own, own, that's, which that's is a big network. A, I, it's I think a it's spinoff. It's a spinoff band from OAR, right? It is. <laughs> it's OAR without the trumpets. Um, no, it's uh, it's a radical right news network. Is it fair to say? I would say that's pretty accurate. They uh, they do entertain some of these deep state conspiracy theories, and they called Black Lives Matter a militant group. Yeah, they say. They say um, what OAN stands for One American News, and um, yeah, they they do dabble in the conspiracy theory, and and so because. Uh, you know, Twitter logic, 2020 Twitter logic says that because he wears that shirt, he automatically hates black people. So Chuba Hubbard, I guess, post retweeted the po- the photo and was like, oh, screw this. And I'm not playing. He's like, I'm done with OK State, basically is what he said. He said, uh, I think he's not going to do anything with Oklahoma State until things change. Until things change. And nobody knew what he meant by that. And, and how long did it take for things to change? Like six hours. <laughs> there was a video later on. It was either that afternoon or the next day of Mike Gundy and Chubbard. They basically say, we've kissed and made up. Y'all, things are good. And it, the video was bizarre because Mike Gundy never said sorry for wearing the shirt. But Chubbard did apologize for calling out his coach on social media. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I'm I'm glad we're actually calling him Chubbard now. I like that. And uh, is that not his name? Do I have it's, to? Uh, it's Chuba Hubbard, and we just shortened it to Chubbard. <sighs> um, it, it works for me. So, uh, okay. if you follow his Twitter account uh, through the different steps along the way here, he's kind of stayed pretty vocal with, "All right, this is a good start. Let's see what changes are actually made." Because uh, one of the things that you may have noticed. Uh, is that there's been a few of these things with college coaches and their players recently, right? Or the players have all of a sudden noticed, not really all of a sudden, but 
they've taken advantage of their larger platforms than the average college student, right? To make statements about, you know, what's important to them and a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, you know, so Hubbard kind of said, okay, let's see what happens. Like we talked about it. Let's wait and see what the real changes are. Well, when this thing happened with Gundy, you'll notice you had a lot of former players, guys in the NFL coming out and say, yeah, Gundy kind of sucks. This dude, this dude ain't it right here. You know, and these are good players that stayed, finished, went to the NFL, right? They're not people with a bone to pick because they got booted off the team or something. Uh, and so you're seeing a lot of that at Oklahoma State and at Iowa, right? Something right. popped up, and then a lot of former players are like, yep, I hear you. Contrast that to Florida State and oh, it's one other place. Um, I guess Memphis, where the Florida State coach had been, but another place where you had something happen and the current players, you know, kind of spoke out about it on social media. Oh, Clemson was one of the other ones, right? Uh, And a lot of the former players in those scenarios have come out and said, hey, this isn't okay, but we do, like, support this coach and, you know, we stand by this coach, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, It looks like for Oklahoma State and for Iowa – their head coaches seem to have uh, burned some bridges on this mm-hmm. along the way, right? So you have something, um, I don't want to say minor, you know, that might undersell it, but something like wearing the shirt, you know, some people may not think this is not a big deal. And it's like, well, this seems like a tip of the iceberg kind of thing for these guys. Whereas some of the other cases might be, right? oh, this coach misspoke or this coach made a poor decision here. But in general, they seem to be doing a good job in this area. Yeah, not not the case for old mullet. Yeah, it is one thing if it's just a shirt because that's like, well, this is – I get why people are mad. By the end of the day, you can't, like, control someone's, like, media consumption. But if we're talking about, like, a bunch of years that other players have noticed over time, quite similar to what we talked about last week with Bobby Petrino. <laughs> but obviously this is not – you know, this is not a, a laughing matter for the people involved. Hey, you know – that's important to hear. Yeah, I think we have some audio here of Gundy's um, apology or, or a statement at some point. This was after him and uh, and Chuba had their joint awkward video. Um, so, yeah, let's just take a listen to the, the depth of sincerity. I had a great meeting with our team today. Our players expressed their feelings as individuals and as team members. They helped me see through their eyes how the t-shirt affected their hearts. Once I learned how that network felt about Black Lives Matter, I was disgusted and knew it was completely unacceptable to me. I want to apologize to all members of our team, former players and their families for the pain and discomfort that has been caused over the last two days. Black Lives Matter to me, our players matter to me. These meetings with our team have been eye-opening and will result in positive changes for Oklahoma State football. I sincerely hope the Oklahoma State family near and far will accept my humble apology as we move forward. I sincerely hope you will not see through this charade. (laughs) I sincerely hope that I can read the words on this teleprompter. His eyes are bouncing so hard. 
I, I gotta <laughs> say, there's only like two real options here, right? One, these completely insincere as he's reading this prepared statement that the, you know, whatever PR people wrote in the athletic department. That's option one. Pretty likely, considering we've seen him be very, very, very animated in public press settings before, right? So he's not a guy that's just always a robot. And the other option, too, is that that video itself is actually a deep fake. So if anybody (laughs) wants to get OEN on the phone, just tell them I have a degree in AI or machine learning or something, and then it's a deep fake. And they did the thing. We'll see if that, they run with it. Is that the thing where they like can take your face and make you do like make you say anything? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, he blew it because he's very well documented to uh, with that passionate press conference. Everyone knows when what what he sounds like, what he looks like when he really means something. <laughs> yeah, I could barely hear his mullet in that press. <laughs> that press that uh, felt public announcement when he said my favorite part is when he said um black lives matter to me (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't want to accidentally yeah wouldn't want to accidentally just say black lives matter and leave it there that would be a mistake right but it just (laughs) the way he said i'm like okay you don't care (laughs) maybe i'm not gonna say that maybe he does care but he probably thinks this is all but yeah. when he when he says Black Lives Matter to me, what he really means is recruiting is the lifeblood of my program. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. We the translate that into coach speak. It's poured. You, it's like you just, all you get. This whole video is like they is covered in this whole like, please God, don't not come to Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> all my recruits. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people have seen through this this ruse but they're okay with the fact that it's superficial because it does demonstrate how powerful uh the college athlete is in making change and also forcing the hands of some of these like high level administrators and coaches um this i got this is a tweet from nicole auerbach she i think she covers big 10 football she said it's pretty amazing to watch these college athletes realize how much power they have and to watch them wield it. We saw it. I even, I didn't think we saw it a few years ago at Mizzou when the, the football team, you know, went on strike and basically got the president of the university fired. So it, to me, it's kind of a real life Atlas shrugged scenario that nobody saw coming. Atlas shrugged. If you don't know, is a book that was written by Ayn Rand that has been highly politicized, but I won't get into that this but the, uh, the underlying principle of the story is that the people who are generating most of the, the revenue, generating most of the product, if they decide that the deal is not going to, it does not work for them anymore, the whole system will, will buckle. And I think college football seems to be experiencing that right now. Yeah, I mean, with the social media stuff in general, right, it's a lot easier for these athletes who are high profile names to have high profile voices as well right like in general you know go back you know 10 15 years ago everybody knew who vince young was in college football but vince young didn't have a press conference from his living room every single night mm-hmm. now he does right now you can put anything out there that you want you can be vocal on your opinions 24 7 and millions of people will see it immediately so yeah I mean, they're, I mean, it's crazy. Like, 
they I guess they could revoke their scholarships. That'd be a really bad look, but they're not going to do that because they want these kids to go play so they can make money. So these kids are, I'm wondering if they're going to start leveraging this position they're discovering to maybe get a slice of the pie. So if we want to be cynical about how things could go, not that there's any reason to be cynical about real life. (laughs) um, You could see college athletes start to be more careful and calculated and political or, you know, sort of apolitical about what kind of stuff they put out there because they're about to start being able to make money off their image and likeness. Right. So the state of Florida this week, last week, recently passed a bill that will go into effect in 2021 where college athletes can earn money off of their likeness. Now, Florida passed it. That means at least half to all the states will probably have something passed within the next year. Absolutely. You know, because guess what? Uh, The state of Georgia and Alabama and South Carolina are not all going to say, oh, well, you know, we had a good run. We don't want to ever try and win a title or win any games. We'll just let Florida, Florida State and Miami win everything. They're Uh, not going to say that, right? (laughs) Yeah, if you want to watch uh, old white men start implementing change rapidly, just hurt their favorite college football teams. Exactly. You'll be surprised what you can get done. <laughs> so so the that legislation is going to happen real fast, right? Um, once that happens, you'll have a lot of athletes that are focused on building their brand and you know their marketability and that kind of stuff really starting in high school or early in college. So if you want to be cynical about it, you might see some of them be a little bit more safe and conservative about what stuff they put out there because they want to be open to a lot of endorsements, et cetera. That may not be the case. You have a lot of like NFL and, uh, and NBA players who are very open and vocal. And so maybe the younger generation just follows that lead and that's how they go. Right. But we shall see. Yeah. I just uh, looked up Vince Young on Twitter just to, just because I was curious. I don't know what this guy's up to these days. It looks like he's in the motivational speaking, a little bit of sports media, and he owns a steakhouse in Austin, Texas, appropriately titled the Vince Young Steakhouse. Yeah, Vince. Question Young, is, Vince Young is it that, any good? I mean, I mean, Texas. I'm there. You know what I'm saying? The uh, pictures look good, but I know they just put plant polish on everything to make it look shiny and succulent. <laughs> um, yeah, Vince Young had that public uh, battle with depression, so I'm guessing his motivational speaking stems from that. Oh, good for him. He probably goes around and speaks on the uh, speaks on mental health. I'm sure. And That's awesome. Didn't ignore it, and you shouldn't ignore no. it. Speaking of the NFL and Vince Young, um, who was in fact a quarterback, Justin texted me the best meme, most creative meme I've seen in a while. A lot of work went into this. Um, it's some good quality. I mean, it's a good I Photoshop chops, but is it today yeah. in sports that put this out. Yeah, today in sports. It's via NFL memes. Maybe NFL memes. I think NFL memes is an Instagram page. That's where it came from. But it's been going around a lot of a lot of circles because it is well, yeah. very funny. We want to give credit where credit's due because it is it is worth receiving your credit. Um, uh, and, and I know that you can't see the meme, but you don't really need to see it. To we'll, we'll retweet it or we'll retweet IG it. it. We're going to go through it. And what they've done is they've got a hybrid looking quarterback standing in what 
not in the Heisman pose, but like a throwing pose, like they're about to release the ball. And they've gone through and basically created this like Voltron. Anti-Voltron. Anti-Voltron <laughs> Megazord thing of all the different parts of a quarterback's body and making them the worst quarterback possible. It's an abomination. It's an abomination. <laughs> For example, I don't know who wants to go through this, but I will. <laughs> well, let's just we'll do this but, one at a time. Do you want to go down the list? For example, on, on this uh, hybrid quarterback's right arm, we have Josh Allen's accuracy, Drew Brees, and Drew Brees' arm strength. <laughs> Most people don't pick on Drew Brees' arm strength that much. but It, it used to be okay, but as yeah. he's gotten older now, it's rough. And you can tell right. it's rough because you watch it and it's just – it's not that, like, he throws the ball down the field and you're like, oh, there's not a lot on that. It's just he literally chooses to not throw the ball down the field at all. Yeah, part of part of getting old. Good shoot, Tom. Um, they went. They 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 went on to comment. This is like a generic one, but they said Kirk Cousins' prime time ability. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's true. Like I always forget this guy. I'm shocked every time they he's like in a Pro Bowl selection or he's like top of the rank. Because every time I've watched him, he's been garbage. But I only watch, you know, I only watch, you know, Kirk Cousins whether he's playing for the Redskins or the Vikings when he's in a prime time game. <laughs> they, they, they went on to say uh also general one sam arnold's immune system god i love sam that one <laughs> yeah. sam Darnold's immune system and then uh underneath that we have pointed out to the general groin area <laughs> general big ben's, area. yeah big ben's understanding of consent oh. so that's a good one and then down at the very bottom we have philip rivers mobility which <laughs> To be honest, I'm a little surprised they didn't go up a little bit higher to the Big Ben zone and go with Philip Rivers' virility. But <laughs> I do appreciate the knock on his mobility. Philip yeah. Rivers has 17 children. That's that's. Is that true? Is that why well, he, he's that's why got number like eight 17? or nine? Right. It, it's not double digits. I don't think, but no, it's, it's very not. close to double is he digits. Catholic. He is. Uh, okay. Wow. Discriminate I, much? There's also um, – so they went down the left – I just went down the left side of his body. We're going to get to what's in the bottom left corner very last because it's my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> now we're going down the right side of his body. Uh, up at the helmet, we have an arrow that says Jameis Winston's decision-making. <laughs> I would like to say it should be slash eyesight because he's had this ongoing like vision issue where uh, after the season they're like, Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. Wait. They realized he can't see, and now he's having corrective eye surgery. Is that true? Yes. That's not, that reminds he me he of also like, threw like 30 touchdowns. So that's impressive, right? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. He he also threw like far and away the most interceptions within like five yards of the line of scrimmage or something like this, where basically it's like he just threw it straight to a bunch of defenders that were just standing there and hadn't gone <laughs> And like, like in, in, this, in this region of the field, you know, it was something where like, 20 there have been 20 interceptions in that area for the whole nfl that season and like 12 of them were james <laughs> something insane the fact that he has Just, eye problems reminds me of dan ugla when dan ugla came from uh, Orleans to the braves and then he started hitting like below 200 for a couple seasons they're like oh he has some eye condition i'm like no shit <laughs> 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 i didn't know that you don't say there partner 
<laughs> he can't get over 200. He's so, millions of dollars. Pa- paired with Jameis Winston's uh, decision-making slash eyesight, we have Cam Newton's fashion. Oh, so we got one of these nice little scarf. like Carolina themed <laughs> scarves. It's over his helmet like he's freaking um, like he's a babushka. Audrey Hepburn or something. Like a, no, like a Russian babushka. The scarf just kind of... <laughs> I gotta say, Cam Newton Babushka is an underrated crossover Halloween costume. Wait, they're gonna it's gonna be on the NFL. You show. heard it here first. The Cam Newton Babushka cosplay. It's gonna be a Nike Cam Newton Babushka on the NFL uh, shop. In the in the off non throwing hand, we have Jake Fromm's texting. Oh. <laughs> this person went through the trouble. Whoever made this meme went through the trouble to not only place the iPhone in this off hand in the offhand, but the screenshot of the of the controversial oh, yeah, text no. has been placed on the iPhone. It's just so well done. It's some high quality. That is commitment. Um, um, well, then you have Deshaun Watson's frame. Yeah, Is that which, an issue? Well, he's skinny and he's yeah. had like a couple ACL injuries. So. Uh, <laughs> and then, I don't get I don't get this other one. You have to explain that to it's me. It's Mahomes' brother. It's it's a Patrick, picture of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes' brother kind of sideways poking out into the to the screen there. Um his brother uh, <laughs> is just kind of weird, I think. I think that's the knock on him. It's a is younger he, brother. Is he just hurting his brand? I think there's a bit of that, yeah. Oh. I might be wrong. I don't I do know he's weird. I don't know specifically how. He's just like I think he has like a pretty big following on TikTok and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. But, Is it like, hey, I'm Pat Mahomes' brother. Sick, look at what kind of a fool I am. And one of those kind of deals. I don't I know, to say man. Dumbass, We're all too old for TikTok, my... so all I can say hey, is he's on TikTok. Too, but I mean, we're too old to like really know what's going on on TikTok. No, right. I'm serious. I'm on TikTok, Scott. I watch all the. T- I know all the TikTok dances. I don't know them. I can recognize them. I can't recognize them all. There's too many. I'm lying. Listen, I, I'll say this. I've been going, quarantined for a long time, and TikTok made me laugh. So I've been on TikTok. <laughs> I'll say this. Going back to the Super Bowl, you could get actual online betting odds for how many TikTok videos Patrick Mahomes' brother would make during the Super Bowl. <laughs> no. And the over-under was five and a half. What, what do you know that that provide the – The results? I don't know. Good question. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Okay, the final uh, piece of this worst possible quarterback meme is in the bottom left corner, there's an empty trophy case, and it says it's Drew Brees' MVP. Oh, ah. so sad. The Hall of Empty the has Hall another good exhibit. Brees. I mean, I get why people dunk on Drew Brees for this, but I also don't. Like, it's kind of, I guess it's like Pete Rose, how many MVPs does he have? One. Well, do you know he was really freaking consistent throughout his career? I mean, Cam Newton has an MVP, but he's been pretty inconsistent outside that one year that he was, you know, took his team to the Super Bowl. Hey, um, this whole thing is for fun. How dare you hate on this fun? Right. And I, I shouldn't be vouching for Drew Brees as much as I do. Why are you doing you know? this? Like, why? why? You... I, I root for the Honorable dirty birds. From somebody Justin, who... who hurt you? Who hurt you? Well, it wasn't Drew Brees. I know that. Honorable mention who from somebody who commented on Twitter is they wanted to know why Andy Dalton in the playoffs wasn't somewhere on this meme. That's a fair point. I 
I don't know if it, there's already like a collage of bad mismatching colors. I don't know if my eyes could stand it if that god awful orange, you know, bangle striped Joe Exotic helmet was on this monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is uh, good stuff. So uh, we wanted to end on a on a unifying note. Yeah, too uh, much, we, too much rebel rabble. Yeah, too much. We're yeah. gonna get so, this all unified. Yeah, and this one's not actually even sports. And you know, it may not actually unite everybody, but it unites the three of us. And so that's the best we've got for you in these trying times. So let's just have a moment of silence as we wait for our glorious intro music. troubling times when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow. We need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. All right, so the take <laughs> that unites us this go-round, uh, it's a throwback take. It's from Anthony Bourdain. I think it was about five years ago. Rest in peace. All right, Rest in peace. So uh, he well, passed away about two years ago now, right? That just recently came and passed. Um, anyway, so this is his trip to Waffle House, where he described Waffle House as marvelous, an irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts. And we all love Waffle House, so that is the take that unites at least the three of us and hopefully the rest of y'all. I, I, I mean – the vid- I watched the video, and it's this guy who, who grew up going to Waffle House taking Anthony Bourdain there, and Anthony Bourdain knows absolutely nothing. He even says, we shouldn't get the waffle, right? And the guy's like, no, you, a- you have to get the waffle. And it's just they talk about, you know, what's the spectacle of watching your food getting made right before you, and that's not really a common restaurant experience. It's very transparent. It's very democratic. I wish they it was a little bit cheaper. But it is expensive. That's my only beef. I'll go to Waffle House and just enjoy it, and I I leave paying fifteen dollars. I'm like, the hell did I just eat? Fifteen dollars? How much is an All Star special these days? Oh well, the All Star is like eight, but then you get a drink. You get a drink. It's ten. And how do I spend fifteen? Oh, and then you tip. You tip like two to three dollars because especially at Waffle House, they're always really nice. So yeah. I try to tip like two to three dollars. So yeah, that bumps me up towards mid-teens um, when, I don't know. You have to tip because you have to talk to whoever's waiting your table because they're going to have some crazy buckwild stories for you. And they're just going to be they're probably, most people I've just interacted with Waffle House, just strangers it's usually been a very positive experience. Yeah. The thing me. about Waffle House that's so uniting is that Waffle House is what it is. It's not trying to be anything other than Waffle House, right? Nobody's out there trying to think, how can we make Waffle House fancier and bring in, you know, clients with in a richer demographic? How can we do the, you know, Waffle House is Waffle House. You're going to go there. You're going to get food for relatively cheap. You're going to get the experience that you get. That's what you're coming for. So. Yep. I, I know I started this show dunking on Georgia Tech, but one thing that uh, their new head coach, Jeff Collins, I think he is doing well is uh, incorporating Waffle House as an integral part of his football program's brand. Like, I know he's trying to out Butch Jones, Butch Jones, do all this other goofy stuff like Techno Tuesday, all this other 
and in the curling weights on the sideline before game, all the other just like goofy stuff. But I think it's actually probably, I think it's a good move in a world where recruiting matters to incorporate a brand that is unifying, that is delightful and replace something that's as uninspiring as the yellow jacket football program. Just my take. Great. Waffle house is much more inspiring than their athletic department. Absolutely. They probably make more money than them too. Ooh, that's a good point. I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, let's just college athletics makes an absurd amount of money. But the talk I hear is that Georgia Tech has had a, a little bit of problem with raising funds. Well, I mean, think about it this way too, right? If you asked either the city of Atlanta or the entire state of Georgia, if you did a poll and said one of these things has to go, Waffle House or Georgia Tech Athletics, we all know who's left standing. <laughs> and that's not close. See, that's that's a tough one for me because when I was a student at UGA, I always looked forward to our matchup with Georgia Tech because I knew I was going to watch some guys get suplexed on the 50-yard line <laughs> by some blue chips. <laughs> like here's a here's a guy who has a here's a college athlete who has a gpa of like 3.8 and is studying engineering <laughs> and then there's like, to do like the calculus a, on this baby and he gets devoured by alec ogletree first <laughs> round pick. Him and it's like uh the russian god rocky's like i must break you <laughs> the the only thing that would make that better for me is if they're getting like suplex while people are just like talking physics or calculus trash to them you know what i mean it's like <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you there. can't make the derivatives. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, buddy. You just got covered, smothered, and chunked. Deal with that. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like what happens at the end of practice when they run too many gassers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, Waffle House. I'm sure most people who listen to the show right now have been to Waffle House, but I think we can all agree that this is a, this is a place that brings people together. It is a beacon of hope. In these trying times, the warm yellow glow of that sign and its delicious waffles. Uh, a point in case, as part of the in these trying times uh, approach from everybody, Waffle House started selling their waffle mix online. Did they you can just really? buy bags of waffle mix. Heck yeah, man. Oh. I had three bags of that stuff shipped all the way across the country. Have you received it? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Did you, you make a waffle iron? Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Were they good? Oh yeah, definitely. The trick is this: the the pancakes pancake mix is basically cake mix with extra sugar, <laughs> and then instead of mixing in milk, you mix in uh, like heavy whipping cream, and uh, voila! <laughs> Everything that a normal pancake or waffle has, just make it unhealthier. And you yeah, have a yeah. And heavy out. cream, more fat, more sugar. Boom! There you go. It has been the cake that united. That's going to do it for us this week on Let Them Eat Takes. We hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Au revoir, and we'll see you on the next one. Eat Waffle House. Eat Waffles. If you want to give us your take, you can find us on Twitter at Eat Takes Pod or on Facebook and Instagram at Let Them Eat Takes. Also, make sure to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks. Bye.